Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. And on this week's show, we are recapping a very successful week in the world of Rangers hockey. Of course, the seven-game winning streak unfortunately came to an end on Tuesday night in Pittsburgh. But overall, the Rangers are playing a a much better brand of hockey. The wins are coming. uh, The goals are coming. And finally, it looks like this team is back to what we thought they would be which is a contender for, you know, one of the top spots in the Metropolitan Division. And eventually, we hope come springtime, maybe with an addition or two, a Stanley Cup contender. So with that, welcoming in Dave and Becky. How are you both doing as we uh, are here in uh, Christmas week on the pod, getting ready for uh, a nice little holiday break and uh, some some good hockey to go with it. But uh, hope, hopefully you're both in the uh, spirit, despite despite last week's discussion or disagreements about uh, Christmas light colors. I still quit. Just I want that on the record. I'm just like Elon. I'm just here until you can find a new CEO. Um, You're podcasting in protest. Yeah, you know. Um, Are you going to make us pay eight dollars a month? No. Not that just cheap. wondering. Although I did just get something on the pod account asking us if we wanted to go Twitter blue, and I like laughed. Like I literally laughed at my phone as if my phone asked me itself. Oh, somebody actually asked if we're going to do Twitter blue. And no, like like Twitter itself was like, do you want to be Twitter blue? And I'm like, mm. oh, no. How about no? No, thanks, Elon. How about no? <clears throat> um, um, coughing, though, just have a cold again. So we are, we're going to truck through, though, because this weekend is Christmas and Santa comes whether you're sick or not. So things I've learned right. as a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely right. No, Uh Definitely excited for the holiday. Dave, hopefully you're in the spirit as well. How's everything going with you? You know, the winds are coming. The goals are coming. Santa's coming. Uh, I am pretty good. The lights on my house are up, despite me also being a Jew who celebrates Christmas. Um, Although my Mickey Santa inflatable um, thingy for the front lawn died. No, no. It rained and then it froze over and a piece of ice just like poked a hole in it and, uh, Mickey's a little limp in it now, so I got to chuck him. Mm. Yeah, we've got some nasty weather coming our way with a lot of rain and then ridiculously cold uh, temperatures. Wherever you're listening, by the way, uh, could be anywhere in the country, maybe even other parts of the world. But especially, especially if you're in the U.S., you know, be careful. This uh, the next 48 hours or so could be pretty rough. Um, all right, so let's get to the hockey. The Rangers are, as I said, um, were on a seven-game winning streak. That got snapped Tuesday night against Pittsburgh, but... I think we can all agree uh, that that game was a well-played game that could have gone either way. A couple of key calls kind of uh, key moments turned that game uh, to Pittsburgh's favor. I think we'll we'll come to that game in a second. But I do want to jump back, I think, first to the Toronto game. So that was uh, last Thursday, if you're listening to this on Thursday, a week ago. Rangers played the Leafs at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, despite Toronto having, I think, the better or the higher shot totals, and a little bit more um, volume in terms of scoring chances and stuff like that. It was really a solid win for the Rangers. Jimmy Vesey gets a couple of goals in a huge revenge game for him, uh, especially given the way uh, he was treated by by Sheldon Keefe during his short time in Toronto. Um, and that was, I think, a really, really 
strong win uh, for a couple of reasons for the Rangers, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on that first. So, Dave, if you want to think back to just a, a quick minute or two on that Toronto game, you know, how did you feel coming out of that one? Which, again, maybe the numbers weren't exactly pretty for the Rangers, but the result was really good. I actually, for the life of me, can't remember details of that game. So I'm actually struggling to answer this. I actually had to go to the recap on Yahoo just to remind me of what happened. It is a long time ago, but, but no, I, you know, look, it was a, it was a one, one game after one. And then Jimmy VZ scored like a highlight real goal. in the oh, second. Right, the highlight, yeah. highlight real goal. That's the one. I unfortunately uh, can't speak to this because I was at a work dinner. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry, friends. <laughs> No, it's fine. No, listen, I think the point here, here's what I wanted to say. How about I make my point and we move on? Yeah, you uh, go first, you go first cuz I have no Yeah, and maybe anymore. last. <laughs> this was the game finally where I was like, okay, they look confident again. Like they look like the Rangers again. They were and look, Shesterkin had to play great in order for them to win the game. But they were engaged, they played fast, they played connected defensively and and through you know in all three zones really. And they didn't allow any of Toronto's big players. Marner, uh, they actually snapped Mitch Marner's 21-game point streak in this game. Uh, Matthews didn't score. I think the only goal, goal scorer for Toronto was was Bunting. Um, and it was just a really good all-around effort. And, and I think, you know, I was texting with some some friends. And actually, you know, my dad, we, we text during these games. Um, he said, he's like, the Rangers look like they're back to me. And I, I was like, you know what, I, I agree. And so that took them into the weekend where they played Philly on Saturday and Chicago on Sunday, two of the worst teams in the league, and they took care of business. They blew both teams out, and neither game was really competitive. I mean, Chicago on Saturday, the Rangers were on a back-to-back, so, you know, uh, they had a couple of chances and a couple of decent looks, you know, in the first period, but that game was never really a a contest. Um, And the Rangers played, you know, a John Tortorella coach Flyers team, which works hard, but really does not have a lot of talent. So, how about general thoughts from you guys on those two uh, weekend affairs? Uh, Dave, start with you. So that those two games I remember. Uh, I went into that weekend saying, okay, the Rangers just beat four straight playoff-bound teams, of which the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Red Hot Devils. You know, I think Toronto is, for lack of a better phrase, a dark horse for a cup run this year. And I'm drawing a blank on the fourth team. Can we Vegas. talk about, can we talk about what you just said, like after you get through your point? Yeah, sure. Okay, um, and then I thought the Rangers had a pair of trap games and they were going to do something stupid over the weekend, like lose to one of those two teams. And the fact that they didn't just win, they absolutely crushed both teams and kind of gave a middle finger to the Blackhawks for basically how things went previously, because especially the Blackhawks game. I thought they were going to, you know, that Blackhawks loss initially started the win streak. And I'm like, oh, great. Now the Blackhawks are going to end the win streak. Mm -hmm. And I'm just happy that the Rangers didn't play down to their opponents. And they could have, especially after six in a row, well, four in a row heading into that, or five in a row heading into that, and just the quality of the opponents. I'm happy that they took care of business and gave Chicago the middle finger. Yeah. Wait, can we talk about how you think Toronto is going to win the Cup this year? Whoa, 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 whoa. You're putting words in my mouth. I said a dark horse for a cup run. Doesn't mean I think they're going to win. I think they have a legit shot. They're a good team. And yeah, they're the Leafs. They're going to fuck up in the playoffs at some point. But they're a good team. Oh, yeah. 
It's like one of those teams, though, that like I and I'm not talking about necessarily betting money, although we can, you know, defer to Tyler on this one, since I think he has had a couple of posts that have definitely been over 50 percent, if not closer to 100. Yeah, he's get he's <coughs> on a run. lately. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I just I like until they prove otherwise, I will always bet against them in the playoffs. They just can't choke. blame you. Yeah. Until I they do prove have. Otherwise. I, I, I got five bucks on the Leafs. I got five bucks on the Wild, and I got five bucks on the Rangers to win the whole thing. I think you're going to be fifteen dollars poorer at the end of the year. <laughs> I am probably going to be fifteen dollars poorer. Um, I think I also have five bucks on the Carolina Hurricanes. If one of them wins, you know, I'm going to make all my money back. But yeah, I don't know. I, I've tw- I had twenty bucks on the Rangers, and the payout's really not that good. Holy shit. The Bruins are 25, 4, and 2? I don't think the Bruins are going to win. They don't lose. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. It's – well, yeah, and maybe we can – let's talk about where the Rangers are sitting currently in the Metro Division after this run because they're they're in fourth place, but I think they're only only three points behind the Devils who at the time of recording this were playing the Florida Panthers and losing 2-1. to The Devils have certainly come back down to earth, which – uh, I think some some of us expected some people thought it might be sustainable. And I mean, they are a very good team, but the goaltending is certainly a weak spot for them. And I think that's proven to be the case during this losing streak. Um, you know, look, I, I said at the top of the show, the Rangers are back where we expect them to be. And that is contenders. I believe they're a contender. I know that's probably a slightly controversial take. It's also, you know, easy for a fan to say that uh, because, you know, we're biased and we're we want to believe that our team is capable of, of the biggest and best things. But, you know, I look at them when they play Toronto. I look at them the other night against Pittsburgh. Um, they, they have hung with the Devils twice, even when the Devils were at their best. You know, even the game that they lost to them, the first game at the Garden was a, was a close game um, and was very even in terms of the, the shot totals and stuff like that. Uh, you know, they've hung with Col- they've beaten Colorado once and they, and they outplayed them really in the first game, even though it was a loss. So I'm looking at them when they compete against those top teams, the Rangers, and I think they're right there with them. I, I don't see a team that they um, can't beat in a seven game series. And to me, that makes you a cup contender. The challenge is getting in the playoffs the, you know, it's it's funny. You look at the NHL and it's like, well, 16 teams make it. That's like feels like everybody makes the playoffs. It is not easy to make the playoffs in the NHL. I think it's a lot harder than people realize. Um so, so yeah, Becky, though, I wanted to get your thoughts on if you had any on the, the two weekend games over, you know, Philly, obviously that was the uh, infamous also John Tortorella scratching of Kevin Hayes. He did not play in that game. He was a healthy scratch the Friday night game versus Philly. And then, yeah, they, they destroyed the Blackhawks seven to one the following night. So um, any, any thoughts on those games? Yeah, I think it was awesome. I think it's great. I love like, Right. What we used to call vibes with like swagger or whatever. And I felt like they had a whole lot of it, especially in the Chicago game. Truba's Truba asking Athanasiu if he wanted the puck. I'm like, that was dead. incredible. That was, was great. Dead. That was good. Um, I love that level of pettiness in my captain. I like that level of shit talking in my captain. It just makes me happy. Um, yeah, I like I. it was great. I, there's not a whole lot to say about it. I mean, the Flyers are like fucking time but i'm always happy when we beat any philly team so um also have we seen all this stuff that came out with tortorella and like Kevin Hayes. dragging on this like Hayes thing it's so bizarre it is really bizarre. i kind of feel bad for kevin hayes a little bit i don't know what the story is but it 
first off, he made his own bed by signing with the Flyers and knowing yeah. AV was going to be there after what the shit AV put him through here. Oh, my God. I <laughs> forgot AV was there. Yeah. <laughs> Holy Not shit. only was AV there, he, he basically had his... The Flyers got the four-year AV experience in two years. They had a great first year. <laughs> and it was like, wow, this team, I mean, this team is dangerous. They they may win the Stanley Cup out of nowhere. And then they were absolutely awful the next year, and he was fired. Um, and, and frankly, I don't think he's going to coach in this league again, which is saying something given the way NHL head coaches get recycled. But I think it's— Oh, uh, no, he'll coach again. I mean, Tortorella's so. coaching again, so— Yeah, but, Tortorella, yeah, but Tortorella's teams never f- fell apart. The way AV's team, I mean, AV's the team. The Canucks, the Canucks, did you see what happened with him in the Canucks? It was like Messier yeah. with the Canucks. That's true. That's true. Uh, you're right. You're right. He might what take a few years off, Rangers? although no one's going to hire him for a broadcast because his fucking face is so horrible. <laughs> Wait, whose a- face is horrible? Messier? AV. Oh, AV. Uh, well, because he's also going to be chewing gum through the entire damn broadcast. That's true. That is true. Gum chewing piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know where. I don't know who would hire Elaine Vigneault. I don't know the type. I don't know what type. See, here's the thing with Tortorella. The reason I think he continues to get jobs is because when you have a rebuilding team or a young team, he's not the worst guy in the world to hire. And he has shown since his post-Columbus days or his Columbus days, you know, the ability to adapt to a young team, to the more modern player. Um, I think the reason he's hard on guys like Kevin Hayes is because Kevin Hayes is a veteran. And I think his whole... Uh, the method to his madness there is like, hey, man, like if you're not going to step up and play hard and set an example, like there's there's no use to you on this team. I, I think he can deal with a lot of crap from young players making mistakes and, you know, doing some dumb shit from time to time. But I think he has no patience for a guy like Kevin Hayes, who's making seven million dollars a year and half assing it. So that's probably why that's happened. But he um, he is exactly what people think David Quinn is in terms of development. Yeah, and Tortorella's way, but way, he is a yeah. Mild Tortorella is yeah. Tortorella <laughs> is what people think David Quinn is. Yeah, I agree. Um, but no, Becky. I mean, it's really funny that that you know Kevin Hayes is kind of the guy on the receiving end of all this when we all thought it would be Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, we thought that was a match made in hell right there. And and you know, so far, I mean, you know, D'Angelo hasn't been very good, but I don't think he's had any run-ins oh, with the boss yet. Oh darn. He hasn't been good. Oh, darn. Yeah. yeah. Although I am going to lay off D'Angelo for at the very for a little bit because he had a death in the family and, you know, uh, you don't shit on that. So, no, he, he's he's away from hockey for personal reasons. And that's that's just fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the other thing that struck me about those two weekend games was, you know, get first of all, Yaroslav Halak gets in and gets a win, which I think is important. I think. You know, the temptation with the way the Rangers started their season is they're going to want to ride uh, Igor Shesterkin uh, maybe to play a few more games than he's thought uh, or than they thought here or planned for him to play this year. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good idea. I think you have to kind of find opportunities, not just on back to backs to play Halak. Um, so Halak did play against Philadelphia, which was which was fine. He did give up three goals, but I, I don't remember anything, you know, glaring or terrible. Um, now he did give up one soft. He one, gave actually, up one that. really. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Morgan Frost, I think, scored that goal. Yeah, that was that was a little soft. Um, and but then, you know, Igor steps in against Chicago, does his thing. Um, so that was one. That was one thing. I think the other thing that we saw was, you know, the kid line, which. Again, we could talk about the merits of breaking that up and moving, especially Kako up the lineup. 
Um, but they they really started to to cook, especially in uh, the first part of that Chicago game, of course, until the dirty hit on Filipino uh, by Sam Lafferty. So what did you guys make of that? Um, and were you there was a little bit of chatter about, you know, folks being upset that the Rangers didn't really respond to it. What did you guys make of the Lafferty hit on Heedle? The hit or the uh, reaction that the Rangers didn't do anything except win seven to one. Right. Sorry, I, I can't stand that shit when people are like, oh, they didn't respond. They fucking won seven to one. Fuck off. But the hit itself was late. It was dirty. And it seemed like a Chicago attempt to try to get back at the Rangers for Truba laying out at Than- at- at Andreas. And <laughs> it just it didn't work. Well, Hedo left the game, obviously. He's back. He's fine. And the Rangers won 7-1. And we afterwards got Truba chirping uh, that Andreas saying, you want the puck? You want the puck? And the Rangers were like, yeah, we're not going to play to your level. Jared Tonorti's in your top six. Really? Go away. You're an <laughs> AHL team. Sorry, Jared Tonorti's in their top four. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah, he's like, he, he's, on, he's one of the right. I was doing uh, math in my head there, confused. Becky, what about you? <laughs> Do, did you want the Rangers to respond in in, in a yeah? More, I mean, I wanted them way? to respond, but also I think that the win is a response. So, like, I, I don't know. I I don't I don't know that the people might not have seen it. I don't really understand it, but like, at the end of the day, I think it's kind of a non-issue because Hedl's fine which is, you know, not the answer because when we see dirty hits, you want them to be like, you want to see some kind of repercussion anyway. But I think I was more annoyed that player safety saw it and was like, nope, that's fine. Yeah, that annoyed me. That annoyed me. Like, yeah, and I was don't have right. the guise of like, we give a shit about our players. If then like those hits are going to happen. And even uh, more broadly, right, just general officiating where the both refs on the ice missed it or deemed it not a penalty, um, which is a little bit troubling because it was very late and and there was contact directly to the head. Um, So that I agree was disappointing. And that that does bring me to actually nice segue to the Pittsburgh game where officiating and power plays certainly played a role in the outcome of the game. So let's start, first of all, with the Sammy Blay retaliation penalty. So if, you know, for anyone who missed the game, Rangers and Penguins are, 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 are it's a hard fought game. They are deadlocked at 1-1. Penguins have a little bit of momentum. They just score a power play goal. And a shift or two later, Sammy Blay takes an absolutely mindless retaliation penalty. This was probably, and unless you, either of you can remember one worse, this is probably the worst minor penalty a Ranger has taken this year. It was completely mindless. It was like it was unconscionably stupid. And pretty much this is, you know, we always joke about this, Dave, that very few things that unite the Ranger fan base or unite Rangers Twitter. This was every single person on my timeline, every single person I was talking to, group chat, text thread, all that stuff was like, holy shit, get Sammy Blay off this goddamn team. Like that was literally the reaction to, to that in the moment to that to that play. Um, so now look with a little bit of hindsight, we, we've all had a little bit of time to digest the totality of the incident, the totality of the game. Um, what do we make of the play that, that, uh, the penalty that Blay took and, and these, you know, potential fallout, which 
as of recording this, we don't know. Rangers didn't practice on Wednesday. They ended up taking the day off. So we won't probably won't see lines until a Thursday morning skate. And God knows Gallant's not going to give away any state secrets anyway. So we may not know the, the lineup until Thursday night anyway. But what do you think the fallout is of this of, of that penalty by and that play by by Sammy Blay? Well, he didn't play again. So, yeah. well, right. You know, I think that tells you what you need to know. Look, I think it, it's hard to say because he was injured for so much of his tenure as a Ranger. So you don't want to be like so dismissive, but honestly, he's got like no value add. There's just nothing right now. So, yeah, I, like and it was a dumb fucking penalty. But like, I understand being frustrated, especially when you play the pink. Like I had I, and I don't want to use the phrase PTSD because I don't want to take it lightly. But like I like very much had flashbacks to like the Rangers Penguins playoff series where the Penguins could do no fucking wrong and get not like the they never got any penalties called on them and like like you do anything and it's a penalty on the Rangers and they are their their special teams are great so it just sucks it just it was very like not fun like it brought me back to a not great place <laughs> I I don't think well th- I was about to say I don't think Blaze gonna play again but that would that's just not accurate. Blaze gonna sit a game. He uh, what Thursday's game or when you're listening to if you're listening to this on Thursday tonight's game is the last one before the Christmas break so he's not gonna play. Gauthier will get back in. Uh, Blaze not gonna be a Ranger next year. Unrestricted free agent. Rangers can't afford him. He's not good. Whether or not that knee injury is still impacting him, he was never a top six player that people were hoping he was going to be. He's a fourth liner. He's not good. Gote will be in. That's it. And the Rangers are going to eventually make a trade for a fourth line winger. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so that yeah that that larger view, Dave, I think is is interesting uh, ground for discussion. But even just you know, uh, thinking in, you know, more in the in the moment about the play and about about the, you know, kind of what Becky said about the game itself. You know, I couldn't agree more. I felt like I was watching one of those playoff games from last last spring. Uh, it, it, a big part of that is the way it was officiated. Right. Not only did, you know, the crucial whistles go in the favor of the Penguins. There was also a blatant missed trip on Mika Zibanejad with 42 seconds left. I mean, he's driving the net. He's passed, I think it was Pedersen or Dumoulin. I can't remember. It was Dumoulin. Dumoulin. It was Dumoulin. Yeah. And And even the Penguins broadcast was like, yeah, that should have been a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're willing to say it, you know it's true. I think Hockey Statminer tweeted that, too. I was like, shit. (laughs) Like, all of Pitt media, again, like having flashbacks to to the playoffs and even like beat writers who I really respect and like had followed, not because I care at all about the penguins, but just because like I had read their stuff separately and just found them to be just very like interesting, thoughtful, good journalists would have these horrific takes during the playoffs. And they were like, Oh, how is that not called either way? You know? And I think Galan actually said the same thing. He's like, well, it should have been a penalty. Like, Either it's tripping or it's goalie interference. So, like, right. I really don't know how nothing was called. Yeah, it was it, very bizarre. And I wonder if, you know, I don't know. You don't know the dynamics. Um, 
between officials and but you wonder if you know the, the ref that was standing in the corner right there almost one of those moments where he freezes up because he just whatever locked up and then maybe the ref at center didn't want to overrule him because it's like so obviously the closer refs call you know i don't know what those dynamics are like also it would be nice if the rain you know i I don't know if you guys know this but the nba does something uh called like the last two minutes report and for every game i think assuming it's a close game as long as it's not a blowout they will literally put out a report the next day that reviews and and um uh kind of like judges the refs on how they called the final two minutes basically any close call and they'll say like, hey, the refs got this one wrong or like this was actually confirmed upon further review. The NHL clearly doesn't do anything like that. They I really would never. never get it. They would never. Like of course they wouldn't. Uh, and yeah, I mean, no, I, I like actually think that's really great. I, I'm guessing that was because of the whole ref throwing games and shit for the gambling. Yeah. Right. But like, I think it's oh, yeah. certainly part of that. Yeah. Even still, like, I, I love that because it's a good opportunity to be like, yeah, we know we're not perfect, but we're doing the best we can. And like. These are the calls we got right, and these are the calls we missed. But, like, the NHL will never do that, <laughs> ever. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, too. You, like, you want to argue for the human element, right? And I know, look, hockey and basketball, it's not like baseball um, or even some plays in football where you could use technology to help make the call. But if you want to have the human element, I'm fine with that. But then uh, admit to it and say, hey, look, these these guys are going to make mistakes. But But I think it would be good for all of the fans to uh, and, and, and folks around the game and players too, and coaches. Um, if there was some, a little bit more transparency about what went into these decisions and a little bit more review about what was right and what was wrong. I think that's just interesting, but no, you know, listen, I, the Rangers overall in this game, I mean, I just want to get your, your guys thoughts on how they played. I thought they were excellent. I thought it was one of their better games of the year. They had large, long, uh, you know, uh, swaths of, of possession in the offensive zone. They got a lot of really good chances on on Tristan Jari, who played a great game. I think they hit three, two or three more posts, which is talk about the story of the season so far. And, you know, look, if, if a seven game winning streak is going to come to an end, that's the kind of game that you'd, you'd want it to, you know, if it's going to end, that's how it should end. Right. The team battles to the very end. They're they're close to getting a game tying goal. There's, you know, you, you simulate that game a thousand times. The Rangers probably win it 500 times. It was kind of a coin flip game. So um, all in all, a good way, uh, a good way to battle, even though they came up short. And now I think the the ultimate thing is, you know, how do you respond? How do you make sure that you don't let this become a losing streak now? And that means you got to beat the Islanders at the Garden on Thursday night. So um, but yeah, any any uh, larger thoughts on the game from from you guys? I think you hit the nail on the head. It was a it was a good, well played hockey game that they just happened to lose. Yeah, you're gonna have those. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, all right. Well, I think probably a good time to get to the questions because I think we have we have quite a few from uh, from our listeners. Hold, please. Sorry, pulling them up. Lou, immortally thirty, um, friend of the pod. And by the way, we will be bringing back the. Um, Rangers shot club collaboration with first goals in the new year. So look out for that. That'll be really exciting. And maybe I can actually remember to tweet from the pod account some days. Um, how much leash did the seven game win streak by Gallant with you personally rest of the season or until we hit another slump? That's a good question. That's a great question. Thoughtful uh, question, Lou. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's so much the seven-game win streak 
as much as it is Gallant's uh, candidness with the perfect lines, those quotes from, I want to say last week at this point, where he said he knows what the perfect lines are. They're not there yet. And it does seem like the kid line is here to stay. And it does seem like the VZ, Kreider, Trocek line is here to stay, which means Kravtsov is eventually going to wind up with Panarin and Zibanejad. And it seemed, excuse me, it seemed like he knew Goodrill wasn't long for that top line. If we're keeping him, if we're taking him at his word, that bought me, that bought him a lot more leash for me than the seven game win streak. Interesting. Yeah, he'll definitely last the rest of the season. Uh, I do think they're going to watch what he does throughout the playoffs to see if he can tactically adjust. We've already seen adjustments on the power play. If he can yeah, that was tactically change. Yeah. yeah, it was great seeing that. For those who missed it, the Rangers usually want to run a 1-3-1 power play. And they're a little bit static. And we've complained about it on the podcast where they don't fucking move. Now they're switching power play one, at least is switching from a 1-3-1 to a 2-3 spread, which is two guys at basically each post and kind of moving around, forcing the penalty kill to keep two guys low. And it opens... The three guys up top, which is what well, Fox, Zibanejad, and Panarin, and they're Fox, Zibanejad, and Panarin against any two penalty killers is going to crush them, yeah. and they're getting much better looks. Yeah, and they're also, I think, you know, both Fox and Panarin are looking to shoot a lot more. You know, I think Pittsburgh was essentially man to man playing man to man defense on Zibanejad, or about as close as you can on a on a penalty kill, and and so hey, Fox and Panarin are like, we'll take those shots, and you hope one of Kreider or Trocheck can tip it or get a rebound. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting and 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 a, an encouraging sign um, because Gallant is kind of you know seen as a very hands off and not the most tactically astute coach. But you know that's also why you have assistants, right? Um, did this win streak buy goodwill with me? Yes, it did. Um, and I was never fully off of the Gerard Gallant train, although I was. Close. Oh, you were you were you were off the Gerard Gallant train. I'm just gonna call bullshit here for a second. I was close. I don't think I was ever fully off. I think I might have a text message that indicates otherwise, but go ahead. Okay, uh, fair enough. I I also do remember, and I hope this is that this is uh, consistent with what you remember as well, Becky. That even if the decision is taken or was taken to fire him, I would not have been jazzed about any of his replacements. And I think that that was ultimately the the main thing that even I was coming back to. I'm like, all right, fine. You want to fire this guy? Who's going to take over? Right. You know, eh, Barry Trotz, uh, you know, uh, who knows? You're not calling up Chris Knobloch from the minors, the Wolfpack. I mean, they've been better the last couple of weeks, you know, now that they have some actual, you know, decent players down there with Zach Jones and, you know, Ryan Carpenter is a pretty good quadruple A player. He's down there now. So they've stabilized a bit and have started to win some games, but they were a disaster for the first month and a half of the season. Um, So there's no really good replacements, frankly. And, you know, look, I think that you do have to come back to and, and take a look. The, the emotions can, can get the best of you as a sports fan, which is also part of what makes it um, such a, a great experience. Um, if you look at the sample size with Gallant teams, obviously he doesn't last very long with any single team, but his teams win a lot of games. They generally have good underlying numbers. He's not like an AV where it was like he got, you know, season upon season upon season of generational goaltending. Um, 
you know, he he's generally coached very good offensive high powered teams that get good results on the ice. So, you know, you have to hope that he could figure it out. And I think, Dave, the point you made about him knowing the lines, I know that quote rubbed a lot. It, it continues to rub a lot of people the wrong way. I'm with you. I, I actually love that quote. And I, and I understand why he's not just throwing. Because I think that, as you were implying, Dave, the move is to move Kravtsov up the lineup, get Goodrow back down on the fourth line, see if that Kreider, Trocek, VZ line stays together and can kind of serve in that shutdown role, but also be able to score like they did a couple of times on, on Tuesday. Um, I love that line. I that's really a, that could be a really, really good line and a, and a total bitch to play against for the opponent. Um, I was encouraged by that. And I, and, and, and I think that the logic behind slow playing the promotion of Kravtsov is sound because you, you don't just want to throw that player into top line minutes with uh, Panarin and Zibanejad in these big games that you're trying to win as you're trying to stabilize your season and be like, hey, sink or swim, because that's not a fair ask of an inexperienced player. Look, I think Kravtsov ultimately brings a lot more offensive value than Barkley Goodrow. He better, given where he's drafted, given where his KHL pedigree and all that stuff. But Goodrow does certain things well. He does certain things that that coaches love. and He's been fine as a stopgap on that top line, and he's starting to, you know, learn how to play with Zibanejad and Panarin. So I think that's I think that's fine for now. And I think, look, if we're having this conversation in March and he still hasn't made the move yet, then I think we'll we'll, we'll think differently about that. But for now, I, 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 agree, I agree with the logic, and I think it does show that he has a pretty good big picture lens on the team. Can I just uh-huh. add one more point to that? Because you're touching on something that a lot of people, especially hockey prospect Twitter, and this isn't something unique to Rangers prospect Twitter. This is everybody where people think prospects just come into the NHL and they're Connor fucking McDavid. Yeah, and it doesn't work. That's that not way. how that works. And we saw it and I feel bad picking on some of the tweets that we see because, you know, Rangers prospect Twitter does have some very smart people. But I saw something about ne- owing Braden Schneider an apology uh, because all of a sudden his metrics are good this year. I honestly haven't checked. I just saw that and I was like, oh, so what you're saying is a kid in his second year and first full season actually developed and got better like they're supposed to fucking do. Uh, yeah. Like, don't take that. If somebody who said that again, I'm not going to try and pull up who the hell said that. If you're listening, don't take offense to that. It's just my thought process when I saw that was, yeah, of course they're going to get better. They're not Connor McDavid. They're not Austin Matthews. Even Rasmus Dahlin, the number one overall pick, looked like shit for three years. And it took him four, sudden, four years. To Rasmus yeah, Dahlin. he looked really bad. Really, really bad. Like, And he's a number one overall pick. Braden Schneider was, what, a 19th overall pick? You know, Kravtsov is going to get better. They need time. They need sheltered minutes. Most of them need sheltered minutes, get used to the game, especially Kravtsov, who is coming from European ice size. Yeah, this is big, like, you forgot that they're humans. Yes. Like, really big, you forgot they're humans. And I think about this a lot when I think about, because um, I always, like, throw a Met in here, because why not? And also, happy Korea Day to all those who <laughs> observe. Um, Hold on, happy what? The Mets signed Carlos Correa this morning. I thought well, you said Happy night. Korea Day, as in like the I, country, and I got really fucking confused. <laughs> I don't. 
Excuse me. Oh, so Becky, I did every hear. time we make Becky laugh, she's going to cough. So yeah. that's I'm not coughing like a, I sound like a fucking seal barking, too. This is horrible. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's like Korean Independence Day, and I'm going to look that up because there's always an opportunity to learn more about the world. So, um, no, happy Korea, Carlos Korea Day. But I think about this a lot. Like Jeff McNeil had a horrific what year is it? 2021 season. And everyone was like, fuck this guy. We can't even trade him anymore. Blah, blah. And it's like, just have a little bit of patience. Like he, you know, he's talented and you know, he could play at this level. So like, are people not allowed to have bad day, week, month, year, a la friends, but like you are, you know? And, and it's just like, especially when you're a baby, you're like, how old are they? 21. Like, when I was 21 years old, I had no business doing anything. I was like, 20. Isn't he 20 years old? When I was 20 years old, I was playing fucking wine pong in Dave's house in <laughs> Binghamton with, like, next to the stinky hockey equipment room. Like, no one... Was that wine pong or Red Bull vodka pong? He is 21. I don't know. I, I can't remember which one it was. I know one of them was on a Monday night, and that was a bad idea. That was fun, I think. Um, which... Also, just not to get on too much of a tangent because I'm already there, but like if you drank, if you played beer pong with the water cup, you don't have to worry what's in any vaccine. But that's all <laughs> I'm going to say now um, <laughs> as to not get political because, you know. Um, Holy shit. <laughs> Sorry. I'm yeah. Talking. So I'm just saying like we do. I, I am hard on players sometimes. Like I am like fucking over Sammy Blay to be completely honest. But we like, and again, I'm not, I do not always practice what I preach and I'm trying to. So please like bear with me here, but like we need to like give people some grace and like assume that they're op, you know, that they're operating from a place of like good faith. Listen, if like you give someone a lot of time and they still fucking suck, like, okay, fine. I get it. You know, this isn't like, like a Disney or a Hallmark movie or something, but like, I just let's just try to be nice, guys. Santa's coming. He knows when you're whatever. No, you're um, nice. My my answer to Lou's question is. I think that it would be silly to fire Gallant at this season at this point because of the seven game win streak for me. Um, but I do think that he if it's not a successful like if they miss the playoffs, like he's out. I think he's. Mm -hmm. He's going to be uh, have a, a close eye on him. I'll say that. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, no, and just to finish that point while you pull up the next question or, or just to add on to it. Um, a guy like Kravtsov, again, the solution isn't always, and I think if you ask any coach this, the solution isn't always just give this guy unlimited minutes. That's how you, that's not how you develop players. You have to. You have to pick your spots, right, Dave? You have to do sheltered minutes. You have to put them on a power play here and there. Look, everyone was was complaining about about um, Goodrow being on the top line at the end of the Pittsburgh game. And, okay, maybe fair point. But they did try Kravts off a couple of shifts there. I think the first three shifts of the third period, and they were rotating 11 forwards anyway, so all the changes were screwed up with Blay nailed to the bench. Um, Kravts off got a couple of chances. And eh, nothing really happened, so they went back to Goodrow. And, uh, you know, listen— yeah, does he deserve to maybe more than two or three shifts there? Sure, you can make that argument. But 
I, I understand the method behind slow playing it with some of these prospects. Now, what I what I don't agree with at this point, especially given their forward depth, is scratching him ever again. I think that would be silly. I think he's got to be dressed. I think he's got to play every night, whether whether it's 11 minutes one night, eight minutes the next night, 12 minutes the next night. You know, I, I'm fine with situationally, um, you know, pulling his minutes uh, when you need to. But he should not be scratched for either Sammy Blair, or Julian Gauthier again this season. So that's it. That's all I want to say on that. All right. Uh, next, well, I'm going to I'm going to keep the really fun question for last. So the next question <laughs> is less fun. Uh, Michael Silvers, does Sammy Blay make it to the trade deadline as a Ranger? Not that this isn't a fun question. It's just it's more it's less unhinged than the other question. <laughs> I like this question, honestly. Yeah, because it's, it's it, right up your alley, Dave. Yeah, I, I love shit like this. Um it's very clear Blaze not going to be a Ranger after this year. They don't have the cap space, and he's been bad. Whether or not he makes it, I'm assuming uh, Mike meant through the trade deadline, meaning he's going to be a Ranger after the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. he says to the trade. Yeah. I, I, that's how I read it, too. Um, it really, it, this is tough because if you trade Sammy Blay, you free up another $1.5 in annual salary that you can add on in a trade and it brings the cost of, and I hate to do this because it just seems inevitable that it's going to happen. And I think all of us here are in agreement that we don't want it to, because he's not a good fit for the Rangers. If, bring, if you don't have to retain as much salary on Patrick Kane, does it bring the cost down? And by right. trading Blay, you don't have to retain as much. So I, I think he eventually gets no moved. Yeah, he's not, we've gone through this multiple times. He's not the right fit as a uh, more of a playmaker goals. than a shooter. He has four goals on a bad team, too. I mean, like, yeah. this is, you know, and I got into a little bit of a shouting match with my dad, actually, about this. on, on a, they, My parents had a little party last weekend, kind of a Christmas fest, you know, Christmas pre-Christmas festivities. It and, sounds like uh, everybody was sober there, too. Oh, oh my very, God. Yeah. I, they were drinking <laughs> scotch at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I am in shock and whoa, awe. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 3 p.m.? Scotch. Yeah. Where was my invite? I say, you're right? invited next year. I think oh. my mother oh, in law loves hosting. Um, oh, I am there. I was trying to reason <laughs> with my dad and say, hey, listen, you know, he's not the Patrick Kane you remember. He's not 2012 Patrick Kane, 2015 Patrick Kane, right? It's just, it, it, look, I, is that some of that a product of being on a bad team? Sure. But also, you know, a lot of guys like him continue to pile up points on bad teams because someone's got to score. I mean, you know, look, they're a professional hockey team. They're going to score two to three goals a game. Uh, that's just how it is. That's just how the sport is. And I've seen plenty of good players pile up stats on bad teams. Um, I don't know if it's that he's disengaged this year. I don't know if it's a physical thing that he's just not as quick anymore. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that this is not the Patrick Kane that that people remember or people think that he is. Could coming to a team and joining a team like the Rangers um, during a cup run revitalize him a little bit? Sure. Uh, that remains absolutely possible. It could be very similar to when the Rangers got Marty St. Louis. But St. Louis, I think, was still a very, very effective player when the Rangers traded for him as opposed to Kane, who is not. So, yeah, anyway, that's my bit on Patrick Kane. 
Yeah, I, that wasn't the question. The question was, is Sammy Blay going to be a ranger after the trade deadline? So, like, I, when I'm I said I want to go one day without it. Patrick Kane, that wasn't an, an invite to please talk more about Patrick Kane. But Apologies. <laughs> go ahead. Yes, I, I uh, unless they waive him, which I don't think they will. No, they won't. I mean, who's going to – what are you going to get for him? Like, literally That's bag of fucking pucks? Yeah, like, round seventh pick. round pick. I am lower than that, right? No, no, because what Justin Braun got a fourth round, third round pick. Sammy Blay will get a pick from a team. He'll get a fourth or a fifth round pick. What did Brett Howden get? A fourth rounder? Come on. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. Sammy Blay doesn't <laughs> have a goal. He doesn't have a goal as a Ranger. It's like he's been, been like forty three games as a Ranger with no goals. Brett Howden at least scored seven goals a year. Seven. Maybe seven more. Seven miles an hour. <laughs> All right, well, That's a good I think, question. I think Blay is going to be a Ranger because I, I don't think they're going to get a whole lot for him. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to play for a little bit now. So, um, okay, next question. Home Alone 1 versus Home Alone 2. This is from Spazo211. Kevin. I am recusing Kevin. myself from this question because I haven't seen Home Alone 2 in entirety. What? I've seen parts of it. Okay, I'm not friends with you anymore. That's fine. I can live with that. Fair enough. Good talk. All right. The, it's Home Alone 2. That and feels good. I'm going to cause a lot of shit with Home Alone 2 easily. Robert? I'm partial, I'm partial to Home Alone 2 as well. I mean, the original is great. but The original is good. It's not Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2 is just fantastic. But how... <coughs> So it's Home Alone 1, actually. How is, like, don't the bad guys go to jail in Home Alone 1? Like, what's... They broke out. Yeah, they oh. get out. They seem too Hashtag stupid to break out of jail. It's Joe Pesci. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Well, yeah, except for not get killed, but in Goodfellas, anyway. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Home Alone 2 is just perfect because I love the visual gags of, you know, him destroying Harry and Marv. In Home Alone 2 more than I like in Home Alone 1. And I, I also was... had the board game for Home Alone 1. So I don't know what happened to it, but I had the board game for it. All right. I'm I'm a sucker for movies set in New York City, especially now as, you know, uh, time passes and you go back to a movie from the 70s or 80s or the early 90s, like Home Alone, that's set in New York City and just looking at all these places that you know, because, you know, you're from here, or you, you you know, until the pandemic, at least I was going there every single day for work. Um, seeing those places, but how they've changed, right? So like Central Park, the Plaza Hotel, the skyline of New York City is completely different now with all the new construction and One World Trade Center, of course. But, you know, I just kind of love that New York nostalgia and Home Alone, too, was shot there. The whole thing was shot on location there. And, you know, I think it's just visually... Uh, a, a very cool movie to watch from that from that uh, standpoint. I mean, the actual, uh, you know, Kevin McAllister hijinks. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a toss up between the two movies. They're both I think they're both uh, classics in that regard. All right. And I um, love the meme ability of Marv getting electrocuted, by the way. OK, spoiler alert, but OK. Oh, please. This movie came out in 91. All right. Next question. Jess, Jessgolin312, asks three questions. None of them are related. 
One, is this team good? Two, who does Truba hand the cup to? And three, colored lights are trash. I that's not a fuck off, Jess. That's me. not a question. Jessica is a dedicated listener to, of the pod. Do not tell her to fuck off. And she knows I mean it out of love that she's 100% wrong on number three. Colored lights mm. are the way to go. You need mm. to have a little bit of color in your life. Like, you can't just go around living in black and white. Like, the, you got to live in the gray. And gray is the colored lights. That doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, it is gray the color of lights because you're colorblind or what? No, that would, you know, that would be why I'm, I would use white lights, but I can see colors. I'm not a dog. Are you sure? No. Um, okay, so one, is this team good? Yes. Robert. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah, and also I, I, I want to. You want to talk? You want to go one week without uh, talking about Patrick Kane, Becky? I want to go one week without reading some dumb article, which this week the honor belongs to Pete Blackburn about. Oh, the Rangers just a mirage? Blah blah. It was literally. That article, which we had to read about 16 times last season, which was maybe a little bit more applicable, especially in the first couple of months of the year, I'm willing to concede. Um, I, I, I was like, I can't believe I'm reading this again. And I stopped reading it pretty abruptly. But it was like your classic, like, well, the metrics aren't great. And you, but Igor Shesterkin's playing great. And like, is this sustainable? And I'm like, again, I love the stats. They tell you something. Watch the games. The, the Rangers team you've seen the last seven to ten days Plus the team we saw in October, even though they weren't getting results, it's a really good hockey team. It's a very. Are you telling me that team. you believe in the eye test over metrics? I believe in both. Yes, you have to watch the game. The Toronto game is a prime example. Anybody who, with a pulse and with any uh, knowledge as a hockey fan, watched the Toronto game would not be angry after that win, no matter what the stats said. They played a really, really strong team game and that and earned that win. And I think Steve Valaket is is the perfect example of this. Watch him uh, every post game. He all loves to look at the numbers. He always posts the scoring chances metrics the next day on Twitter, but he will give you really good player level, coach level insight about the play of the team from an eye test perspective. And that is certainly uh, applicable. And it's certainly if Steve Valaket's saying it, then I'm certainly on board with it. Um, and right. I, I think he was very effusive in his praise of the Rangers after that Leafs game. So, yes, to answer Jess, Jess's question, yes, the team is good. OK, second question. Who does Truba hand the cup to? I find this, by the way, Jessica, as an act of violence that you're putting this out there. But let's move on. Rob, so the last one. I, I'm glad that, first of all, they have a captain this year for this reason alone, because now there's no, you know, who gets the cup first question. Um, so there's that tradition in hockey that if you have a veteran on your team who has never won the cup before, he's generally the second guy to get it. I think on, on this Ranger team, that would actually be Halak, but I don't think that Halak would get the cup second as a backup goalie. So probably Kreider. I think Kreider probably gets it second. He's the longest tenured homegrown Ranger. He's an, he's an alternate captain. So it probably goes from Truba to Kreider and then probably to Igor, assuming Igor has a, a, an insane playoff. Because I think, you know, I, no matter how good they play, I, I don't think any of us can imagine the Rangers winning the whole thing without Igor being an absolute, you know, an absolute machine throughout. So I'm going Truba, Kreider, Igor as my first three to to, to hold the, the chalice should the, should the Rangers win it. I think it's going to Sammy Bly. 
Dave, you're oh, Fuck you. <laughs> Talk about violence. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I In hate street clothes. I, I hate to pick the same answer as Rob, but it's very obvious. It's, it's, it's going to be Kreider. Yeah. And then from there, I think it will be Zabanajad. Um, I'm looking to see if Panera, uh, Panarin's won a cup. I think no, he did. No, he, no, was, he no, hasn't. He was not. Oh, he, he was has? the year after that. Yeah, it was the year after yeah. that Chicago team. Yeah. Okay, so is Panarin not. is a dark horse. I think it'll cycle through Kreider, Zabanajad, Panarin. Um, I think after that, uh, no, Trouba gets it first, and then insert player here. M- maybe Shesterkin, maybe Halak. I don't think Halak's won a cup actually. Well, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, maybe Halak. Halak's probably early because he's definitely the oldest guy on the team. Oh, by far. And he definitely has never won a cup. No. And last question, and this is a bit of a doze, okay? So Built to Spill, our friend, our brother in Christ, says, each kid as holiday movies. And he identifies the kids as Lafreniere, Phil, Kako, and Kravtsov. Oh, God. Phil does. I've got one for Lafreniere, Lafreniere's elf. Oh my god, I was thinking the same thing. For sure. Yeah, I was thinking the same exact thing. Weird. That one was easy. Um, uh, all right, elf it is. Keetle, Kako, and Kravtsov. I mean, like maybe Kako is home alone too because it is a nice city. <laughs> I don't know. I yes. like that. I, I was like going to say Heedle was home alone too because he's the best of the bunch, and Home Alone Two is the best of the Christmas <laughs> movies. But I like Kako as. Oh. Too, it's I a think nice Heedle like is that. the best Christmas movie, which means he's the Hallmark movie with the New York Ranger in it. Oh, God, no. A shot at love. Taking a taking shot a at shot love. Taking a shot at love, yeah. yeah. No. Uh, well, so, well, someone's got to be Christmas Vacation, too. That's kind of Lafreniere, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's such but, a goofball. But for some no, reason. No, but Lafreniere's elf. That's, that's, uh, maybe Heedle is uh, Christmas Vacation. No, he's like a romantic. Uh, you know, Christmas vacation is kind of romantic at times. <laughs> Not really. That's okay. Oh, you know who Kravtsov is? Die well, Hard. Yeah. You know why? I like that. Because Die Hard as a Christmas movie divides yes. everybody. And Kravtsov as a Rangers prospect divides everybody. I'm firmly on the side of Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Die Hard so is, is a Christmas movie. Not a Christmas movie. movie. Not a really? Christmas movie. Oh, David. I thought you were going to go the other way on that, Dave. Yeah. yeah. It's not a Christmas movie. I've known it's you for a long time. And that's not what I Christmas think. doesn't make it a Christmas movie. You guys are on crack. What are the, so what needs to be, like, do you need one Santa present in order for it to be a Christmas movie? It, it needs to be Christmas themed. Well, I mean, like, do you think When Harry Met Sally is a Christmas movie? Because there's a there's a Christmas tree in it. Okay, so you're going to tell me that any movie that visits the Rock uh, Rockefeller Plaza is no? I'm trying to I'm trying to understand. Like, so Christmas has to be a theme. What does that mean? Like a theme of the movie, like Home Alone one and two, great examples. The theme is the family is going away for Christmas and they keep leaving their nine year old kid behind. Yeah, how did no one call like Child Protective Services? By the way, but that movie can't happen. Neither of those movies happen nowadays because Kevin's just like uh cell phone yeah yeah and also you can't sprint through an airport anymore you're gonna get tackled it's true well it's the same with love actually the kid sprints yeah. through heathrow and i'm like mm. oh he goes through he like goes through security like yeah like no problem yeah so 
So back to the original topic, because it just happens to occur at Christmas time and there's no actual Christmas theme behind it. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. What if it the Christmas not. theme is killing bad guys? If the Christmas Santa knows if you're naughty bad or nice. guys, then 2016 Willis, to 2020 wouldn't have happened. What if Bruce Willis is actually Santa and he knows if you're naughty or if you're nice? I don't know where I'm going with this one. Bruce Willis has no hair. I like Bruce Willis seems like a very nice person. He does seem like an awesome person. Like before he got sick, I would have loved to, you know, sit down and just have a beer with him. He's one of the few guys who've been like, yeah, I want to sit down and have a couple of beers with you and just bullshit because I feel like you'd be fun. Yeah, I think so. Um, I like Die Hard for crap stuff though. I think that's a good answer. So we've got Elf, Home Alone two, and Die Hard. So who's left? It's just Heedle. Heedle. Yeah. Oh Heedle's man, that's hard. That's hard. I'm actually Googling Christmas movies. Well, he comes through in the clutch. So, like, what's a clutch Christmas movie? Christmas Carol. Uh, oh, God, a Christmas story. It is the classic. It, it yeah. is. It's like, I've never really seen it. I, I know oh I've seen God. parts of it, but I've never really seen it all the way through. It, I don't it know. It is a Shapiro household. Well, it was a Shapiro household tradition. My dad would make us sit and watch that every night. We would sit probably, I want to say, 7 o'clock. And then right after, my sister and I would go to bed. And then Santa Wait. came. And my oh, dad was the Jew, Eve. by the way. Not, not my dad was day. the Jew <laughs> of the family, and he was the one making us do all this. Can you imagine? Hey. It's, it's June 23rd. Time for a Christmas story. <laughs> Seven o'clock. Um, no, I like that tradition. Yeah, or like It's a Wonderful Life. I like It's a Wonderful Life for Heedle, actually, because that's, you know... Um, it's, it, it is a wonderful life when he's on your team and he's playing it the way he's playing. I, they, they posted this, this stat last night, 17 points in 22 games this year. I think that or is that seven, it was maybe it was 17 in his last 22. But I'm like, wow, that's a, literally a 60 point pace. I mean, this guy is like legitimately becoming a bona fide, you know, t- you know, top second line center in the league. I mean, he's finally here. He has arrived. Um, so, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know what that has to do with the Christmas movie, but but. We love Philip Heedle, and, and, and I think It's a Wonderful Life might be the pick. Can I just throw a wild card out there for him as well with Jingle All the Way? <laughs> See, I've never seen that. but Yeah, me know. either. Oh, God. First off, the premise behind it is just ludicrous, and it's such an underappreciated movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger is hilarious. Sinbad is hilarious. The mo- uh, Phil Hartman Sinbad. Is love Sinbad. Uh-huh. It is an underappreciated movie, and Philip Heedle is underappreciated. We're going full themes on this. I like it. All right, well, that that wraps up the questions. Some really good ones this week. So thanks, as always, to those who submitted for making the pod what it is. And, yeah, that's it. Awesome. I love these theme questions. I really do. We can count on Bill to spill to continue those. I think it seems to be his, uh, his forte. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how we got into a random, you know, if you play beer pong with the water cup, you don't have to worry about what's going into your body. (laughs) Well, that was, yeah. You know, I don't, I I don't feel like we're just built different. I'm just like, whatever. Give me the flu shot. (laughs) Give me the COVID booster. I don't give a shit. I'll be like for 
for the. I got uh, them both at once, by the way. No problem. Not nope, a problem. You were totally fine. Totally. It's unbelievable. Go do it. Seriously, don't be afraid. Do it both at once. Get it over with. You'll you're, you'll and, be happy you did. And if you don't know what we're talking about when we play with the when we say with the water cup, just add us on Twitter. Ask the question for next week's pod. We'll gladly go into detail oh about what the water cup is and what it looked like at the start of the game versus the end of the game. And yeah, you didn't good. change it every game. Like there were oh, some God, times no. you didn't change. No, it every you did change it once in a while, but not every game. No. No. I think we change it like once a night or once a weekend. Oh no! At least <laughs> it's like it once was like every once, once every, every half two hour. hours. Yeah. Hour. Yeah, maybe hour. Gross. Who knows? Anyway, yeah, you should add us though, because I'm very curious to know the children that follow this pod. Yeah, maybe we could put a poll out. Of course, for 21 years and older only. But do you play with the water cup, or did you have you ever played beer pong with the water cup? Hold on, it doesn't one. have to be 21 years older only because you don't know who's from Canada, who's from overseas listening. That's true. That's you true. Know? No, I know different different rules. Chris is from Wales. Out. He's been drinking since he was like six. He's been drinking since he was born. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> we should uh, note, especially going into the holiday season, everybody should consume responsibly here. Uh, you know, obviously it's a great time to relax and let loose with family and friends, but um we we do want to urge responsibility uh, around I, such I, I prefer the word imbibe responsibly imbibe responsibly um with that i want to wish you both uh and and all of our listeners of course a very merry christmas uh i think we'll probably be able to squeeze in a show before the new year I, you know we'll have to coordinate schedules uh around all the holiday festivities rangers do pick action up on the other side of the break i think with let me pull up the schedule real quick. Do they go straight to Florida? I think they are doing the Florida trip this year around. Yeah, the I think they do. Uh, it's home. So sorry, I'm looking at the schedule Washington now. Washington first. Washington, right, on Tuesday the 27th. Then they go to Tampa for the 29th and then Florida New Year's Day. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, interesting stretch of games coming up. Uh, and, you know, hopefully the Rangers handle business against the Islanders tonight if you're listening to this on Thursday. And, um, that's it though yeah like i said want to wish everybody a merry christmas and uh, and a happy new year and we'll uh we'll talk to you next week and a happy hanukkah and a happy yeah, hanukkah. it's still hanukkah bro. I, I know i know happy hanukkah happy holidays to keep it all uh under to to, to use the catch-all um now have a great holiday everyone and we'll talk to yeah you. and keep the c in hanukkah come on listen to dave